0: Move Javante Davis, living young got room for patience. This is a dope podcast. It ain't drugs when we move. Houston, we got a problem taking off like the rockets. This a three-man weed coming at you with topics. Bitch, they hit you with logic, baby. Showtime's back. You slow, catch up. You're on a four-now flat. It's imperative. Transitioning from changing the narrative. You can catch this wave from the marlins to the Mariners Doing things you can't believe. It's a three-man weed Come at you with topics, no you cannot stop it Doing things you can't believe, it's the three man wing Come at you with topics, no you cannot stop it You, what's going on y'all, let's get it, episode 86 Y'all gotta love it, I wanna appreciate everybody on the YouTube viewership In the Facebook group, Three Man Weave group, I want to thank everybody as well. Y'all know who it is. Y'all know it's your boy, Hill. And Hill going Hill regardless, baby. Who I got with me, though?
1: You got your favorite guy as always. You got Cannon here representing.
2: And you know what it is. You got AJL Presidente, baby.
0: Presidente. So, you know, y'all can catch us on all major podcast platforms, Three Man Weave. You can Instagram, Twitter, Three Man Weave, underscore, you can email us at podcast dot we at gmail dot com. We have a special guest tonight, a special guest, my former teammate. I like to say that, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, former Buffalo Bill, draftee, former JMU, Duke, former Stella, You know, my guy, Arthur Motes, and I want to bring him in right now and bring him to the people. He's just why y'all here?
3: D-Hill, what up, baby? What's going on? What's going on, bro? I appreciate you.
4: I appreciate you, man. No, no, And I'm glad you let these people know that you used to ball, too, man. I don't know what he tells y'all, but D Hill was the man at high school. <laughs> <laughs> he always stayed with a five jersey on, had some crazy feet. You know what I mean? Like that was some the time. Okay. I try to stay humble. I try to stay
0: humble. You know. You know. I'm, I'm glad you let the people know. <laughs> <And> if, <laughs> if there's any doubt, I'm gonna make sure they know.
2: know, <laughs> if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt. Hey, because look, I, I got some questions. Because, I mean, you know, he got the little man complex. I don't know if he had that in high school. But, you know, he, he bring all the energy. So I know he brought the energy, but I want to know, was he like that? He fights you, but would he hit you? All right. <laughs> See, I'm glad cause I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, see, you got you got lucky. We got, we already having some technical difficulties. We got we got we got most with with the with the the real grin on right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's what's up, Hill. Though I, I will I will go out on a limb and say Hill really does not. He he never really bragged. He said he played high school football. Um, he never said he was all star, but he never said he was trash. But that's what's up yeah. for Arthur to come out here and say that you was the man like that. I respect it.
2: And you know us personally knowing hill i know like like we say a lot of stuff in sports is all about that want to and as long as you want to you can make a little bit of noise i mean mm-hmm. you may you may not you know be all state but you're gonna be all something
1: <laughs> yeah and, and hill definitely has the want to i will say that that's one thing he always have you ever played any anything with hill up uh, hill he'll from zero to a thousand. He don't have nothing in between. Easily. We lost him, so
2: we, we we about to bring him back in right now. I think I think I think we got him back. We got him There back. we go.
4: Hey, you gotta <laughs> love technology, right? Jesus. You gotta love it. You gotta love, it. It. You gotta love it. I'm saying here like I've it? never had an issue with it before. Now you're <laughs> be
2: crazy today. But <laughs> don't worry, look, hey, we go we're gonna rock through all these technical difficulties. We're here, we're here to have some fun, man. But what was y'all nickname for Hill and the locker back of the
4: day? Well see the thing was, man, look, we called him D Hill, but he had his whole little click, the stickle ball. <laughs> yeah. So he, he man, you would have thought they was the bloods and crips of P Town like, the way people rolls around his day, man. All of them had old all of them had the rims on it. And all I had crazy systems in that joint, You like, bro? I don't know what y'all do to get this, but hey, man, I'm over here mad as heck. Like, man, I'm over here working at Wendy's. I can't even get none of this stuff.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah. so, so, go ahead, go, go ahead, Kenny. So, real quick, Arthur, I had a question. Since y'all played together in high school, I want to know, mm-hmm. like, did everybody was it consensus? Did everybody know, like, Moats is the one on this team? Whoa.
4: Oh man, um, <laughs> I personally didn't I, I personally never felt like that. Um, for me, I mean, D. Hill would tell you, man, we played with a dude, Deshaun Edwards. So,
3: mm-hmm.
4: like, Deshawn was the man. You know what I mean? Like, first thousand yard rusher forever. I mean, he had like that toughness. Obviously, he's from the Bob. So, like, he had everything. Kind of like that to go with that mystique. So, for me, I never viewed myself as. The, the best dude when I'm playing with him and I'm like, man, this dude's in the paper, like mm-hmm. I don't know who he is. But I want not say my senior year, man, I did have, you know, the success I had started getting more notoriety. And mm-hmm. I felt like that was the first time for me in high school where I really felt like, all right, my sports really, you know, got that recognition and stuff like that. I mean, I think about, you you know, the all-time water, uh, they used to do it in the Virginia pilot, have the all-time yeah. 25 or mm-hmm. like that coming into that following year. And I remember being number 25 on that list. And some of the names up there, you're like, man, when you're hearing Percy Harvest and mm-hmm. Cam Chancer, Chris yeah. Bell at the time, man, I wonder why
3: nobody worried about me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. But when when did you when did it kind of hit you like, hey man, I got a chance to play on Sundays?
4: Man, that wouldn't have been probably till my junior year of college. Okay. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was always a goal of mine to play in the NFL. That was always my motivation, right? Since I was yeah. a little kid, I remember, you know, just seeing the Cowboys start me like, man, I want it. Whatever that is, that's what I'm trying to play. Like, that's what I want to be. So for them, that was always where the dream started. But in terms of me really believing it, I had just finished up my junior year. I was, I think, you no, know, I was actually third team all-conference in the CAA. And I felt like I was better than that, but I still didn't get that the type of notoriety that I wanted. And Everybody has pro days, but they don't talk about what you have is a junior day. So, for mm-hmm. anybody that's not draft eligible, you can still work out for your scouts.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: we're, we're doing ours, I think it's February time frame, in Harrisonburg, Virginia, at So, it's like a light snow it's going on. It's cold. And the scouts are locking up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, it's, we're a smaller school. It's not like I can tell the scouts, hey, look, the weather ain't nice they Come out here next time, I'll run for you. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. go out there and i I handle my business in the snow and i ended up running i think at the time it was like a four five three Mm. and the the dudes were like dang like you ran that and you weighed this and it was in the snow like this is nuts and from there like just seeing how their faces lit up and seeing how just more i I was talked about how many more nfl teams wanted to talk to me Mm. that summer And, and then from there getting agents reaching out to me i was like man okay like it really started to click. I'm like, for, to get to the NFL, it has to start like this. You have to have multiple teams interested in you. You have to have agents want to represent you, mm-hmm. and that kind of would let me know that, all right, if I keep doing this, like how I'm going, man, this, this could really work out.
2: Mm-hmm. So we, we got actually, a question.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. we we
2: my boy, Marcus Cannon, right now, he wants to know what coach had the most impact on your development, and also something that stuck in your head for years and years.
4: All right, all right. Let's see. Do my development. So we got pro-right. All right, all right. Pro-right. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> so, it would have be, been D. Hill's high school coaches, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll go through. Yeah, three. John Townsend Portsmouth.
0: Remember these boys? These days we come to the huddle. Hey, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay,
4: all right, all right,
0: let me get Pro-Right. We got Pro-Right. Pro-Right. Okay. Oh, no, no. Miami screen. Miami screen right. Now, you know you got switch your trade. You No know he got to switch
4: your trade. Trey can't <laughs> pull. He ain't the puller. I got to pull. I got
0: to be the And Now, that was one of the funniest things, bro. Like, no one oh, had man. to know his trade, his assignment, and Trey play. He had to tell Trey who to block every play. that <laughs> look, Trey would do the job. Trey would do the job. He just ain't know who to do. He know what to do. So after every play, most had to tell him, hey, listen, this is you block. He's like, all right, cool. There we go. There we go. But in specific play, phone right, Miami screen right, they had to switch every time mm-hmm. they, awesome. they
4: couldn't get out there to block somebody you on the screen. Okay. <laughs> but for me, man, <laughs> when i think of my uh doing my development years, man, I actually had a couple guys that really um that really impacted me. Number one was uh <laughs> <of the> <laughs> So honestly man, my high school coach up for football, um, Coach Winkler, you know, and it wasn't necessarily about the X's and O's, but it was more so about helping me to get that exposure in terms of the summer passing leagues. Like at the time and my parents, we weren't gonna be able to just pick up and drive where we needed to go. But he was always going to be there to make sure, okay, we'll get you there. Going up to Penn State for some of their football camps. My folks weren't driving to Pennsylvania, man. I mean, it just wasn't happening. But what in is, you know, Ford F-150 and drive on up the trail man. It was things like that that really had an impact on me. And then also, man, my wrestling coach, bro, uh, mm-hmm. Coach Walney, he was all about, like, that just grittiness, toughness. But he was also mentally getting me prepared for some of the adversity that you would face just when you go to the next level, whether it's high school or the NFL. You, I mean, every time we, you know, uh, excel or get to a new level, you go through a growing phase. You go through that that phase of man, all right, am I good enough for this? Can I do this? I mean, you start to doubt yourself sometimes. And for me, I link back on some of the um some of the things that he would just tell me, man, just little things that he would say to me when I was training for states as a wrestler. You know, being the only guy that had made it at the time, man, we, we spent a lot of hours just in the gym, me and him one on one, and you just constantly hear how he's telling you, pushing me. Man, I don't care if you're tired right now. Mm-hmm. Think about what the other guys doing. Think about what he's doing. He's out right. working right now, and just always burning that in my head. So when the, the the opportunities came at the next level, I would fall back on that because that was my foundation. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So I got a. I actually got a question for that. So, like you said, you you know, wrestling played a big part in in, in your football career. Now you see a lot of athletes from the time they were kids. They've literally just specialized in one sport. Yeah. And what do you? How do you think that has changed the type of athletes that we have now? Because when we were growing up, we play everything year round, but now mm-hmm. it's more so. If you, if you if you play football, you are in football camps mm-hmm. year round. Yeah. If you play basketball, you hooping year round. If you in baseball, mm-hmm. you playing baseball year round. And I think now it 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 has diminished some of like like a lot of the toughness, a lot of just like the mm-hmm. just, just the, the the instincts that people have to just kind of just like to go out and do it. Now it's more so like it's so much by the book. It's so technical and so fundamental. How do you think that has changed up sports in in a sense with people just kind of being, you know, 10,000 hours to just one sport?
4: Yeah, I think it's hurt the game, honestly. And I think that goes for any of the major league sports. When you talk about a player, I mean, just for me, for example, I started playing football at four, but I didn't just play football. I played every sport you could think of. And then even in high school, I was playing five sports. Like, I wanted to make sure that I'm playing something, sometimes doubling up sports in the mm-hmm. same season. Yeah. But I felt like it made me more versatile. Yeah. My critical thinking, my ability in various situations to lean on footwork from basketball, to lean on hand-to-hand combat from wrestling, to lean on being able to read a player's body language and instincts from soccer, to think back about, you know, just running for when it comes to track. All of those things mm-hmm. helped me to a better football player. But it also kept me from being burnt out. Yeah, I think those if you start playing this mm-hmm. game at, you know, five years old, right? Say you're a late starter. You don't start till you're seven or eight. And that's the only sport you play. Definitely. You train for that year round. Dude, there. me even as uh, playing in the NFL for nine years, the biggest reason why I retired was because I got burnt out from it. When mm-hmm. you're just playing the same sport and you obsess over it every mm-hmm. single day around the clock. I mean, even I'm going on vacations and I'm not even thinking about what we're going to eat. I'm thinking, how can I get these two workouts and in this film session, yeah. like, You can't do that at such an early age and think you're going to sustain it to make it to the NFL. I mean, I I think that it just makes you so one-dimensional and you really Mm. hinder what you're truly capable of, man. mm,
1: So let me ask you this. um, Because what we do here is we try to change the narrative. So you you mentioned your wrestling coach and how he prepared you mentally and had you mentally tough and mentally sharp. Now, as an African-American male, Coming out of the 757 area, um, how were you able to, during high school, college, able to dodge all the pitfalls and traps that the 757 has for an African American male? <laughs>
4: Yeah, man, that's that's a great question, man. You didn't
2: join the sticker Boys with him? <laughs> <laughs> I
4: didn't get the invite, man. I didn't, the, I didn't get the invite. I had to look up to you guys.
0: <laughs> we, say, we did you a favor.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> him, he was like, that's my dog. You know what I mean? We <laughs> did
4: <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we used to look up to the boys, man. Like they, they was, they was the ones. You like, damn, man. I wish I had a throwback like that. My joint got knockoff, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, this is crazy. But man, um, the biggest thing, man, it was a group effort. I can't even sit here and line that like it was just me by myself. It was a group effort, and it was a ton of luck, also, man. Like, let's be real about it. Anybody from that area, especially as an African-American male, you know you get into some situations. And a lot of times we'll sit here and we just see how, okay, if this went this way, Mm -hmm. we would be this person right who was either locked up or dead. But because we got this break right here now we're sitting here on this call and we're all like, man, well, you know, it worked out. But we all from that area have gone through that. So that's the luck part of it. But then for me, man, I was blessed. I had great structure around me in terms of uh both of my parents being together. Mm-hmm. I had my uncle who was really pivotal in terms of just keeping me active in sports, man. And yeah, that was the biggest thing, man. Those three people, and just like I said, the, the luckiness of the situation and just figuring out, especially as I got older down there, I was when I would find stuff to get in trouble with. Mm-hmm. So it was important that so, like my junior senior year. It was important that all right, we're gonna make sure we're playing a sport each year or each season. So we play I end up playing those five sports, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, I'ma get a job too. So when I'm done with practice, I gotta force myself to do homework in this two hour window and mm-hmm. then I gotta go to so I would work the night shift at Wendy's mm-hmm. from you know eight, nine thirty till one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. But what it did, it kept me structured. It made mm-hmm. it where my, my day was so regimented, I didn't have a lot of free time to just Go out and do teenage stuff or go out and do 17, 18-year-old stuff. It, it, that really protected me a lot, man. Yeah. And so
2: kind of speak, speaking of the pitfalls, are you familiar with what happened uh, to the LSU receiver, Coy Moore? No, I'm not. Uh, mm. So what happened was uh, he was with an Alabama player, actually, and they got pulled over mm. by a police officer. And he made, he made a statement and said that, uh, the police officers, they pulled guns on him, you know, asking him, where's the drugs? Where's the gun? They actually made him unzip his pants and everything and say, you know, where's the guns and the drugs? Um, and he came out, made a statement, everything, and said, you know, this was you – it know, kind of just making an account of what happened, saying he had to literally say, I'm an LSU football player for them to, like, let him go. And then Coach Ed Ogeron made a statement, and I'm just going to kind of read uh, just – some of it and to kind of get your thoughts and is this a coach that you want to play for with everything that's going on? Um, Ed Ogeron's statement starts off saying, I am aware of the serious statements that Coy Moore made on social media about being violated by police officers Saturday evening. Uh, while I cannot comment on that, uh investigation, what I can say is that we must work collectively to embrace our differences. We have to listen Learn and come together to combat social injustice and racism. If we are to create a safer and more equitable society for all people, Um do you think that statement after he is enough? Kind of going through what we uh, have been experiencing over the last, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say the last couple of months, but basically for us, our entire lifetime. Do you say? Right? Do you say? Do you think saying "I am aware of the serious statements." Is kind of just enough backing of your player to say, you know, this is our, you know, when they when they recruit, they say this is the family.
4: Do you think that's enough? I personally don't. I think that response two years ago is acceptable, right? Because two mm-hmm. years ago, the climate for non-minorities speaking up on. You know, social injustice issues, it wasn't as acceptable. People didn't want to hear that. Whereas now in 2020, that climate has shifted. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we've seen everyone, you name it, man, we saw NBA and WNBA, two of the biggest basketball leagues in the world, shut down mm-hmm. because of it. We're to right. that stage now where you don't have to sugarcoat. You don't have to feel concerned that hey if I speak up on a social injustice or something that I think isn't right, I have to worry about my job. That that is over with. Those things are done. So I do feel like he should have said more, especially when you hear the allegations that the player made. And Mm -hmm. I will say this for Ed. If he has, you know, depending on his relationship with the player, the only thing that I can think of is if he ever had any concerns about the player's character or him being honest that's kind of their way of giving about a backdoor, right? Or out out of the situation. We all know as athletes, man, when when we have that relationship with our coaches, there should be a trust. There should be almost like an unbreakable bond that if I tell you something and you know it's me from the heart, Mm -hmm. you should ride with that 100%. It should never come into any doubt and things like that. But like I said, I don't know their personal relationship, so that could be why. But for me personally, in 2020, man, you gotta say it, man. If if you're not speaking up for it, then we look at you as being compl- complicit with it. Uh, and
1: that's
4: the worst part, man. We can't be that way now. Especially man. how adamant he was
0: about getting football back. How he was going to talk to government yeah. officials. Yeah. How every yeah. how he was doing everything to get football back due to COVID. Mm-hmm. It was like now you give me this blanket statement. Now like, well, mm, I need that same energy you had when you wanted football back during COVID. Like
4: I I need that instead of this mm-hmm. regular statement that he just gave. I, I look at that statement as when everyone did the whole "let's all post a black picture on yes, our social yeah. media." Mm-hmm. The lack of action around it, and you're just like, "Man, are, are we doing still cookie cutters Like this is what we're doing again?" I might mm-hmm. as well check my email from the biggest company that just says, "Hey, we're working on being inclusive. Come on, come, come, use this fifty percent off." Like,
1: yeah, exactly.
4: On, yeah. like do more than exactly.
2: that now. I feel you on that, and that's that's kind of what got me is because, like you said, that's nothing different than what we've heard over the years. Just to say mm-hmm. we're aware of it. You're not you're not condemning it. You're not saying we can't have it. And then what I the, th- the the language that I always hate is we must come together. No, it ain't it ain't no we must come together. Y'all we need y'all to stop shooting us. Mm. <laughs> we we have no hand in that. We need y'all to stop shooting us. When we put when y'all pull us over, we're afraid. We, we can't we we can't do anything and say I feared for my life. We are the ones that are truly in fear. We don't have the gun, but you can shoot us and say that you were in fear for your life. And that's the and that's the thing that like I, I just don't understand how we are constantly in this fight, but we have to be a part of it. When we're not, like you know, like we're we're trying, we're trying to get people, but now you want all of us to come together.
4: Nah, come to us.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's
4: yeah. not real, man. It's not I mean, I'm just glad that at least it's to the point now where we're able to have these conversations. Right. And, yeah, and absolutely. Like, that's the first step. But man, what I tell people all the time is this is is no different than a four by one on, in track, man.
1: Yeah,
4: You've had the first leg of this thing, all right, we on the second leg, but then we got to hit this corner and get that third leg, but mm-hmm. the race still isn't over yet, man. We yeah. still got a lot of ground to make up, but Absolutely. you got to stay motivated. You got to stay in it. It's frustrating. This I mean, you look at all, all four of us right here, man. We've all had our personal stories and our, our, our situations where we 100%. know that this is out, just outlandish, right? We shouldn't mm-hmm. have even had to deal with nothing mm-hmm. like this, but People didn't want to hear that back then. Now it's to the point where we can start talking about that, sharing it more, and ultimately, man, trying to create change that we might see, but more so for our kids, man, and their kids. Like, that's how I'm viewing this thing right now, man. 100%.
1: 100%. I I was just going to say, it's just crazy how those incidents, right? You talk about being a black male, coming from a 757, and just, like, those encounters with the police, um, I can remember being in DC, being pulled over in 2001 by black police officers who, you know, took purposely took my coat off in the winter, made me stand on Bladensburg Road, freezing cold, and leave my hands with no gloves on that metal car, like, and and just out there shivering, and they and they didn't care at all. Then they put me on the ground, so it's just like. All of these things, right? And then you get into an encounter with a police and they have the audacity to say what AJ said that they fear for their life. Like, no, mm-hmm. I am I am the one that's afraid. Like and then you can you can you shoot me right. and and be justified because you were afraid when in reality you know that you're in full control of the situation. Mm-hmm. I am the one that's afraid and it's just sad that like you said, it took for it took for basically youtube and social media and the yep. invention of the camera phone for it to just be so repetitive in our faces for us to say something but it like aj said we've been dealing with this forever I, yeah. all of our parents I've, I've never even met your parents i guarantee they said they told you 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 have to be careful arthur because you are <laughs> guilty oh, by association yeah. and so it's like yeah. Just the way that we had to grow up, and the way that we still have to carry ourselves now. Even you, have a, as an ex NFL player, when you get pulled over, it's, it's still, dude. <laughs> to this
4: day, it's so ingrained in my brain. Not only from my parents, but even when I got to the NFL, man, I never forget my rookie year in Buffalo. And I'm sitting, we having our uh, our introduction meetings, and the team head of security comes up and he's giving us this talk, and he's like, "Also, guys." If ever you get pulled over, which you probably will. I mean, you're young, you're African-American, y'all got nice cars. This was what you have to do. Roll it on all your windows. I don't I know you're in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, what's crazy in Buffalo? He says, roll it on all your windows. Make sure you put both of your hands outside the car so you can see car and park music off turn. On. I'm like, bro, I've never seen y'all ever tell a white guy that. I've never seen even my my white teammates, mm-hmm. they had yeah. never heard of talk like that before. And I'm like, Bro, he ain't have to tell me this. I've been hurt. This is (laughs) my (laughs)
1: phone
4: call. You know what I mean? Crazy as it sounds, we that became normal to us though. Normal. normal. And, And that's that's an issue, you know. And I'm just glad, like I said in 2020, we're able to say that hey, this isn't okay. And now that we have the ear of everyone else, now we can really continue to push that forward, man. Because once you make this progress, like we've made, there is no going back. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. What was acceptable a year ago or two years ago, that's no longer acceptable. So now we got to be active in this thing, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's,
1: that's
0: oh once again, everybody. Uh, AJ put in the link in the street in the comments, so we can see who's commenting. Uh, we we got we got to see your face. We want to put a name to the face, so we can see who's commenting on here. So. Let's keep it moving. Uh, you've been a part of three, let me say, three cult fan bases.
1: <laughs>
0: It'd be quiet. I don't think a lot of people are familiar that JMU is, a, is like a tight-knit No, nice yeah. no, no that's crazy.
1: JMU games be lit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also, like I said, being a Buffalo Bill and, like I said, of course, being a mm-hmm. stiller. Those fan bases right then and the day, like, talk about those
4: fan bases right there. Yeah, man, I was very fortunate, man, to be able to play for three very rabid fan bases, man. Honestly, it really helped me to get to this platform that I have today from a a media broadcasting standpoint. For me, man, playing at JMU was such a crazy experience because, I mean, you know, D when we were at Churchland, it wasn't the same. I mean, unless we were playing or big, you know, rivals, homecoming, like we didn't have big turnouts for football games. So I get to jam you and you're playing in front of sold-out crowds, you're on ESPN2 and things like that, and you start to realize, like, oh, man, so this is what it feels like to to really have, like, fans. And you just see, just going out on the town, man, going to restaurants, people want to take care of your dinner. And then, obviously, at the NFL level, it gets even crazier. I mean... (laughs) To the point where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you're at
3: mm-hmm.
1: even
4: if they don't recognize your face as soon as you say your name they're like oh i know you i love you i remember mm-hmm. this, and this and this and they run down everything you're like man it's just it's, it's humbling mm-hmm. because i mean i always think back to man i'm from portsmouth virginia where I was born. <laughs> you know, Like, well, you ain't worried about me. Like, <laughs> but but to hear it man it, it really humbles me because i'm like dang the fact that me being you know a, a professional athlete and doing things in the community has been able to change their narrative on me, an uh, African-American, mm-hmm. from the 757, uh, 7, where that isn't supposed to happen. But yep. for that to be the case, man, it's, it's a blessing. But that's why I, I never take it for granted, and I'm very humble about it, because I know how easily it could be different. I know when people approach me and they don't know who I am, mm-hmm. how their response to me is versus once they realize, oh, that's that's the NFL guy how everything changes from a perspective standpoint so that's why for me man i'm I'm always just humbled by it man i always show them love man between jmu nation Bills my fan, still nation man like they they all welcome me and love me and even when i moved on from their teams you know Mm -hmm. leaving JMU to the nfl leaving buffalo after four years to come to pittsburgh and then obviously leaving pittsburgh and retiring it was all love for me during there, during my time there, and then even post career, being able to come back to each of those spots mm-hmm. whenever I was, and still receive that same warm reception, man. It's awesome feeling.
1: But you know, I know, you know we, why. we got a Buffalo
4: fan. We got a Buffalo fan. He still miss you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told us today. He's
0: like, "Oh man, I, I miss my guy."
1: But but it's the it's the character though, because there's there's a lot of guys who've played for rabbit fan bases and people don't miss those guys and so that's that's an attribute to who you are as a person and and that support system that, that you had growing up you know all of those people who invested in you you know you could tell them thank you because you're you're a product not just not just a football player but as a black man standing for something in america and i appreciate you for that bro Nah,
4: no, i appreciate you as well man and that's another thing that Always drove me when I, especially when I got to the NFL, because I would always think about growing up. We could look outside to our right and to our left, and you will see hundreds of examples of what not to be. Right? Mm-hmm. How not to operate? Whether it's as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a friend, you see ton of examples of the wrong thing. But you got to go out and and look crazy to find. The example of somebody that's doing it the right way. So I always wanted to make sure that once my once people had eyes on me and I got to this platform, that I would be that example. As tough as it is, and as sometimes I mean, it, I ain't gonna lie, it sucked. I mean, mm-hmm, you hear about right. doing this and this and that, and I'm like, I want to, but that's not my brand. Or I, I want yeah. to, but that's I can't really. That's not the look that I'm going for for what I'm trying to promote. And I'm mean, like I said, it would suck. But when you are able to see the impact and see it come full circle, I mean. I tell people all the time, now I have the opportunity, man, when I I would throw my football camps at Churchland, right? Mm -hmm. And we had a a kid that used to go there. And he went there two years. It was a blast. All good, right? He's probably 13, 14. So I don't even remember him enough at the moment. You fast forward, what, 10 years? Not even 10 years. Yeah, excuse me. Seven years later, I'm speaking at my – at at the – CA, hey, where I played gym, where I played a uh, football there, right? Uh-huh. It's their big like conference welcome in kickoff to the year, right? All of their all conference guys, all Americans there. The kid comes up to me, he starts talking, he's like, "Hey man, I bet you don't remember me, huh?" And I'm like, "Nah," and he got that look, you know that look where he yeah. knows you, you don't really know him. You're like, 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 hey, it's nah, you don't know me, you know? man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so, so, where I know you from again? And he's like, man. Used to throw these free football camps. He said, "Man, I couldn't even pay to go to these camps, but because yours was free, I could go there." He said, "Man, I would see you out there, and it made me think that I could do it." Mm. And from there, man, that made him motivated enough to go to college, to stay on the right path, even have a shot at the NFL. I mean, like it was just such an awesome experience to see it come full circle like that. Because you never, a lot of times, you don't get the, you don't get to see the end result. Yeah, you don't get to
1: see yeah.
4: a seed you might have planted. Mm-hmm. Is it become right? But for me to have that opportunity right there, man, it, it really touched me because I'm yeah. like, damn, like it, it made me remember that the work you're putting in isn't in vain. Mm-hmm. You being a good example, it's not going unnoticed. It is impacting people, even if you know they don't have to come out here and tell you, just know that impact is there.
0: So now it's time to pick your brain, it's time mm-hmm. to pick your football brain. Oh, we go. We go. We've been technical, we've been, all that. It's been good, it's been yeah, it's time now. To I, need, I, need, I need to know the importance of scheme mm. because you were uh, improperly used your first uh, couple of years or mm. first uh, initially in Buffalo,
3: mm.
0: but they, they when they finally found you, they finally mm. put you in your rightful position yeah. and you started mm. to blossom. Mm. Now, explain to me the importance of being used
4: properly in a scheme. Yeah, man, when it comes to you know using people properly in a scheme, I tell people it's no different. Say you have a toolbox, right? You got that Phillips head screwdriver, you got that flathead screwdriver. Now in that flathead, you know, anything that's flat, you're gonna tear it up. It's not even a debate, right? It's gonna loosen up, tighten up, wherever you want. You put that flathead in that Phillips head though, it ain't really working the same way. It's like you might could get the job done, but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be so much more work to get it done. And you can just see that it's not properly used. When you use the word supposed to be used, that it flourishes, man. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's effortless. It looks beautiful at times. It's almost like art. But then mm-hmm. when you get out of this element, you're like, did it still get the job done? I mean, yes, Maybe. technically. But the work, it, it worked way too hard, and it was it was ugly at times. That's how I look at when you talk about using people in the right way, man, from a scheme standpoint. It, it, it comes down to that, man. You first off have to understand a player's strengths and weaknesses because a lot of times, man, You'll get some player, or excuse me, you'll get some coaches that never really played. They might have just got this opportunity because they knew somebody. Mm-hmm. So you always have to be careful with that as well, man. And they'll think they know some things. And and, and trust me, this isn't even, I'm not even talking high school. I'm talking at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Like you're still mm-hmm. with that. Like that's that's real life. And when they don't understand how to properly evaluate, when they don't understand not only evaluating, but anticipating it and projecting, like, hey, I think this person can project to this. But here's why. When you don't have the here's why, that's where you have some of these issues where you see guys playing out of position. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I mean, he's still a good player, but he could be so much better than that when you use him right. But that's why I feel like it's always important from a coaching standpoint that you have guys that understand talent. They know how to evaluate it because evaluating talent is the biggest part of getting players in the right scheme. I mean, you think about the Patriots, for example, right, especially during their glory years. Mm -hmm. They, it wasn't as if they had all pro after all pro after all pro, no. but they had people that fit exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Hey, you might be a uh, two-down guy. You're Danny Shulton. Mm-hmm. All I want you to do is yep. control this A-gap every time to the front side. Every time. And that's what he specializes in. So he can do that. But what does that do? Okay, now Hightower, who's off the ball, yep. now he's able to read and react and go. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that if you have Shulton playing on the edge somewhere. Yep. Talking about a edge don't <laughs> like, that man can't move like that. <laughs> and if you got high I want you out here in space. Like, that's not his game. Yeah. So you got to understand that. When you understand what players are capable of, their, their strengths and their weaknesses, then you can really put them in their schemes how they need to be, man. But if you don't have the eye for it or the understanding of it, you're always going to run into that issue, man.
1: So, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. My bad, AJ. Let me ask you this. Since that, everything that you just said, should be common knowledge for anybody who works in sports right so why do coaches constantly take people and, and I'm gonna use two people who play around your time I'm a I'm I'm a Washington football team fan so I'm gonna say to we, football team. we had a Iraqpo <laughs> and Kerrigan both trying to play in space. Both mm-hmm. of them, and both of those are pass rushers. So it's like, why, if I'm a defensive coach, why wouldn't I just want Kerrigan rushing a quarterback? Why do I want him checking tight ends or running backs?
4: Yeah, so the biggest thing, man, I've realized some coaches, they think they know it all. Yes. Some coaches, they feel like, I'm so smart, my scheme is so perfect that it doesn't matter who it is. I can make this thing work. And they get bullheaded. And trust me, man, you, you'll be surprised. Some of these coaches are, are – are, I mean, they're good coaches too. But they go through that phase of just believing that, hey, man, my scheme is flawless. It's got to work. It's going to work. And then they'll give you these my different talks. These talks of, hey, man, I mean, what, what type of player are you? Are you a guy that, that looks for an excuse? Are you seeking comfort? Are you a guy that's going to figure out a way to make it happen? And, and ultimately put the onus back on the player – even though, as I said in our previous analogy, it doesn't matter how hard you mm-hmm. work if you a flathead and, a, and you working yeah. in a Phillips situation.
2: It ain't gonna work.
4: It ain't gonna work. It's not. It's not gonna look good. So mm-hmm. they'll give you all these, these talks. All these man, you're all pro, man. You've done this before, man. You're 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 versatile. I mean, you think you're better than that guy, right? So you could do this and ultimately feeding you that that gas, right? That that fake energy. Mm-hmm. The result is still the same. Right. But the difference is when you get a coach that not only. Can evaluate talent, but is humble enough to say, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm using you wrong. Let's do this. When you get those type of coaches, that's what makes the situation special as well, man. Because then you, you even as a player, your trust with that coach goes up. And then ultimately your effort will go up as well. But when you have that lack of just relationship, when you have a coach that looks as this as, I'm the leader, you listen to me. Don't give me any type of rebuttal, that is where you run into those situations and it just never works out, man. So
2: Cannon kind of ask the question, but with different players. What I <laughs> want to know is <laughs> when you like what what are, what are your thoughts when you hear a team like the Arizona Cardinals and they draft Isaiah Simmons and say he's our middle linebacker? When what we've seen from him in college, what he did at the combine, and say you're a middle linebacker, and I'm saying you're going to be this versatile piece we can use in our scheme. What are your thoughts when you hear something like that?
4: To me, I look at them as trying to go with the safest bet. But sometimes when you go safe, you block a person from really living up to their full potential. Exactly. If I know you can be, you know, a 10-level player, but I'm going to cap you at 6 just to make sure that you don't have anything negative go on, I'm not helping you. I'm hurting you. Mm, Scared. Mm. And with Simmons, it's like they understand that they're going to be growing pains. I mean, Any rookie, you go through growing pains. It happens. Some are larger than others, but you still go through that. It was almost as if they never wanted him to experience the growing pains. But we saw even with them trying to play him exclusively at inside linebacker, he yeah. had growing he pains. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, I'm always a believer that if a guy's gonna make a mistake anyways, let me put him in the best position so he can really live up to his full potential instead of me just trying to play it safe, uh-huh. he's gonna mess up anyways. Like it is just one is gonna be a lot more productive, and then one in terms of risk reward. Yeah, if I'm ten dollars at worst anyways, let me bet a hundred, you know what I mean? Let me get my money's worth.
1: Like that's like Come on, today, man.
4: Man. but some coaches. They 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 take the conservative approach. And it's just like just people in life. You you everybody knows those people who they'd rather play it close to the chest, not really take a chance, right? They'd rather stay at that job where they hate it, but it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you get the other guy who's like, Man, I know I'm capable of starting this company and and taking off with it. But right now it looks kind of crazy. I could fail, but I believe it's going to work, and if it works, I'm gonna hit this home run. And you see that guy take that chance, and then they're the ones that everybody's looking to. Like, man, how, how did you do that? Just tell me more, man. Sometimes you got to take a chance, and if you're gonna fail, man, at least fail going out hard, man. Yeah. I don't want to have a conservative failure. Like, <laughs> Isn't is <the> fun? Like,
1: <laughs> you gotta swing for the fences, All right? You know, like, if I'm gonna
4: go down, let me go down in the blaze of glory. Like, man, he went, he went out on top. Like, he, he took his best. Like, I don't want one of those. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty safe. It was cool. <laughs> nicely. Like, no, nah, the result was still the same. I still struck out.
1: Yeah. So we'll come
0: back to some of these uh, technical uh, football questions because I got I got a whole list. Oh but, yeah. But when we, but what <laughs> we got it we, before we go too far. Before we too far, we the people they want to know how did it feel first the sack, Brett Favre, <laughs> and also because it had to be two separate feelings because you didn't know initially when you hit him. That you were going to stop this consecutive streak. Like, what was the feeling when you were responsible? And that coined the phrase, dude, don't cross the most. Like, that was bad at me worldwide.
3: Because
0: <laughs> we were saying, oh, don't cross the most. We know, oh, don't cross the most, don't cross the most. <laughs> but when you stop the streak, oh, for real, <laughs> anybody it,
4: can it, get it. it don't real. cross the moat. <laughs> plain that feeling plain that feeling for me bro first off man that was insane man but um i just take you back to when it all started for me man playing minnesota it's my rookie year and we're for me i was still going through that starstruck phase right as a rookie i'm seeing the players i used to play with on madden the players jerseys oh. that i used to wear, guys that i would worship and for me, man, I was a big Brett Favre fan because I remember seeing him beat the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. Like, I, I remember all that, and I was like, dang, man, I'm getting a chance to really play Brett Favre. I was mad because earlier in the year, I played in Green Bay, and obviously he wasn't there. And I'm like, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, but at the time, in 2010, Aaron Rodgers was yeah.
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> It's a different vibe. But we're in Minnesota now, and I'm like, I would I get, get to the field probably two hours before kickoff. So it's literally... Just, you know, the skilled players out there, guys, sometimes are still dressed up because it's so early. So, man, I'm just out there and I always would take pictures of the field, the logo, show, show it to my folks back home. Like, man, we really live in this thing. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Brett Favre comes out. Ooh. Man, I got, I got my uh, my college teammate. He had just signed with the Buffalo Bills. So he was on the team and me and him are sitting. We're probably at the 20 yard line, just sitting on the ground, just stretching. And Farb comes out, and I'm like,
1: bro,
4: <laughs> He's like, yo, it is. And I'm like, oh, look at how he runs. Look at how he throws. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Did I he said,
2: have a Wrangler? Did he have a Wrangler?
4: <laughs> <laughs> like you can see the great. Like on TV, you can't see the greatest same way like when you were in person. So right. like, I'm, I'm like, bro, it's great. I'm like, why well, he's like, oh, and my. <laughs> yo, how crazy would it be if you sacked him today? And I said, Mm -hmm. man, that's nuts. And I laughed it off because I'm and it's Brett Favre. Like, bro, I ain't worried about that. And then, obviously, Adrian Adrian Peterson comes. Mm -hmm. I'm like,
1: that's a shame. I'm worried about him
4: right now, you know? So, totally forget about it. Warm-ups is done. Game starts. First two players go by. I come in because at the time, I wasn't starting. So, it's my first play in the game, third play of the game overall. And, the ball snaps. I'm on the right side. I'm going through my rush. And literally, everything is happening like how we said it would be on film. Mm-hmm. Everything is like how I envisioned it. That was the crazy part in terms of, I would say, man, okay, we watched him. We know Brett Favre likes to roll out to his right. He'll roll all the way to the to the numbers, but then he'll stop and drift back. Mm-hmm. He has a bad habit of drifting back. Mm-hmm. And if you keep rushing on the back side, you should be able to get after him. And he will never see. You. So that's what we just kept drilling all week, kept drilling all week. I'm laying in the hotel. That's all I'm thinking about when I close my eyes. Coming off the backside, he's not going to see me, Let me get this hit. Mm-hmm. So when the play starts. I'm coming off the backside. All right. And I ran around. I think it was Brian McKinney at the time with the tackle. I'm yeah. running around. And Brett Favre, now he's rolled all the way to the right. And just like how we said, he's starting to do what he starts to creep back inside. And I'm like, Oh, it's really happening! So now I'm increasing speed, and I'm like, okay, he doesn't see me, you know. And we all, as players, have thought about that. Perfect. He keeps drifting back, and literally, it was the perfect hit. I mean, that hit you dream of. Big. It was better than what I ever dreamed of. And I hitting him, and him saying, "I I'm telling you, sold out. School dome, the one that collapsed that dome, like mm-hmm. it was pretty loud in there, and I will never forget hearing him make that sound. And I just remember getting up, not even realizing what happened. We ended up getting a turnover on the plate. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember getting up, jumping around because I'm so hyped that I made a plan to the game. I'm like, yo, it's my first play. I just got this big kid. We got the ball. I'm jumping on the sideline with my man, like it's crazy. But then obviously Adrian Peterson rushed for like 200 yards in the <laughs> <like, laughs> I'm like, God dang, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to get on my phone. I'm like, Adrian Peterson ran between him and Tavares Jackson. God yeah, Tavares
1: Jackson won yeah. that game. He was crazy. So
4: they killed us. So yeah. for me, I wasn't even thinking about back after the game. And then the following week happens. Monday Night Football, Far supposed to be out there versus Johnson. He doesn't start. And I'm not even thinking about it because I don't, I'm not even aware of the streak to that standpoint. I'm more so focused yeah. on the next opponent. Right. And i Agent calling me, it was it was probably 9:30 at night. He calls me, he's like, bro, it's a big deal. I was like, What are you talking about? He said, Man, uh, far didn't start. That's 297 games consecutive, officially ended 20 years worth of it. And it's mm. And he said, Uh, ESPN wants you live in the morning. I said, Who? <laughs> I was in Pittsburgh. ESPN is, I mean, they, they practically set up shop here. You know what I mean? You yeah. see these guys every day. So you're used to it. But when you, you were in Buffalo, it's beat riders. It's like the small, like, yeah. so when he's telling me ESPN wants me live, I'm like, what? This is crazy. So I remember literally getting to the facility because I always get there early to work out. I finished my workout and phone starts ringing. It's a Connecticut number. I'm like, oh shoot, it's happening. And I remember just doing this interview Watching myself do the interview on TV, I, I was such a kid. I'm just standing there on the phone watching myself do this interview, just like in just in la la land about it because this is something that typically doesn't happen, man. This is it was one of those things that you dream of as a kid to have a crazy play to be on ESPN yeah. live on his story. Like, this is nuts, and it was just one of those things, man. That I'm glad it happened, not him getting hurt, but glad to be a part of such a significant part of NFL history. When you talk about starting streets, when you talk about just the history of the game in the Iron Street, streak, to be attached to that
1: forever, I mean, it's an awesome feeling, yeah. man. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I, I grew up as a little boy. He didn't play for my team, but I just loved the grittiness and the toughness of Brett Favre. And when you said that he screamed like that, that... <laughs> that kind of hurt some of the that hurt some of the, that, the that, was, that was
2: really a question that was really a question I wanted to ask I wanted to be like did you grunt when you
1: hit
3: that, like, that, I mean, that I, hurt some I, of
1: the lore that I had about Brett Favre like oh he's he's just a man at the end of the day <laughs> man,
4: I, I, I watched the, I watched the
2: hit today I watched the hit today I'm like that shit
1: hurts. we should have queued it up and played it so everybody could have seen it I am that. Now, you said something. Oh, my
4: Go ahead. I was gonna say I never even thought of it like that because I'm with you. I thought, you know, Bert Farrell was Superman, like he I didn't see that man get carried off the field, mm-hmm. he come back nothing, like torn knee, torn ankle <laughs> <laughs> out there, so, like I never even thought of like, dude, you realize you the one who hit him and, and he didn't get back up. Like this just is. like that. that's it's nuts, man. It's nuts. <laughs>
0: Now you said something doing that, like you said the importance of your film work that you put in. Yeah, and I remember last week on your pod that you said you hate primetime games because you like to watch the you like to watch the film at least two to three times before you even discuss it. So explain to me the importance of film work because I, me personally, I try to watch some of the All Twenty Two, mm-hmm. but when you when you really don't know what you're looking for yeah. or what you're looking at, it's it's kind of, like, more cold because, like, everybody's open to me. I'm like, oh, he should have threw it there. But if you don't understand why
4: that he didn't throw it, it like, explain the importance of film work to me. Yeah, man, for me, and funny thing is, I never even watched film to that level until I got to the NFL. So even at GMU, because I was a D lineman, my film study was totally different than – you know everyone else's. Mine was more so. I'm just watching this one guy. I'm not even right. thinking what the rest of the call is. I'm just looking at how can I beat this tackle for a sack. My I never worried about the run game. I said I'm strong enough that yeah, if you run the ball let me, I'm gonna make a tackle. I'm, I'm set the edge. But that was how I study film. And it literally took me getting embarrassed doing a pre-draft visit for me to really start to like study film. And, mm. and my visit it was with the New England Patriots. They came down to you I had worked out for the guys. And the workout went great in terms of on the field stuff, and mm-hmm. they wanted to see me in the classroom because their scheme they, it, it's predicated on yeah. guys. And I remember the guy asking me, "All right, draw cover one," and yeah. I'm like, "All right, one safety, cool. Say, draw cover two. All right, two safeties, cool. Go, I got this. All right." Said draw cover there. I said, Oh, hold on now. Hold on. I'm like, all right, I remember it was a bubble here. (laughs) He he said something about a curl flat. I'm like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) So for me, it it took me being in that and to really start to figure out okay how do I learn this how do like what what can I do to educate myself even more so and start seeing bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I get to Buffalo and they want me to play middle linebacker a spot that I had never played in my life. But it made me have to learn it even more. So that's the quarterback. That, right, right. It's the core yeah so that really taught me how to understand the strengths and weaknesses of every call offensively and defensively. Understanding okay the difference between cover one, cover four cover mm-hmm. six and the different pieces, but not only that, the window dressing. Because at the NFL level, they'll yes. put the same coverage, but do it ten different ways. Mm-hmm. They'll have 10 different guys get into the it's, it's one thing pre snap and then post snap. It is it, going to get back to that, but it's going to be so many different bodies moving. And I had to learn that, and it took years of just being around legendary football minds. When you talk about Dick LeBeau, when you talk about Mike Tomlin, um, you talk about Dave Wannstedt. being around Mike Petton, who was an understudy of Rex Ryan and Buddy Ryan, just hearing yeah. the different football concepts, the different philosophies, the different things that you're trying to accomplish with each call and how you want to send people and bait people. It's like, I know we're going to run cover four, but we're running that because we want to set up this play right here. Hearing those things is really what, what taught me how to understand just football on that level and then as the middle linebacker on defense i had to also know okay well if these are our calls and these are the strengths well how could i beat this so then that way right. because now i mean let's be real i wasn't the biggest the strongest and the mm-hmm. fastest player so i had to make sure that i had elite level smartness to put open right. positions mm-hmm. that all right if i matched up in space with percy harvin I need to know how the heck I'm going to defend this. You know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah. I got a safety over here. I got a safety over the top. I got a corner to the flat. I don't be heavy inside and mm-hmm. anything he does, I don't bite on that move. If he gets me on the outbreak and roll, I got help out there. Mm-hmm. And from here, that's what helped me to start to learn offenses and see, okay. This is what they're trying to do with this run scheme right here. This is what they're trying to do with this zone scheme versus a gap scheme. This is what they're trying to do with these bunch routes. So when they, you know, have a guy condensed in his split, just are trying to burst out. And from there, that really helped me catch my understanding and really evolve. So that way I could be more like a coach on the field because I was like, man, I, I don't have that first round talent where I'm just six four, two sixty, 260, run 4'3". I wish. but that.
1: No. I- <laughs>
2: So, so that like what you said kind of brings me to my next question. Um, knowing that it's really nothing new under the sun when it comes to play calling in the NFL, yeah. how important is it for window dressing your offense and that pre-snap motion to kind of take that defense to make them second-guess something? How important is that for offense success, and how does that change your mindset as a defensive player, especially as a middle linebacker?
4: Yeah, man. Well, first off, anytime you get shifts, pre-snap movements and motions, that always affects you as a defense. And more so, I would say I, I love to do that when you're going to run the ball, because mm-hmm. typically if I'm a defender. Once you line up, mm-hmm. I'm ready to tee off on you. Yep. But if you start shifting and motioning, that's going to make me take my edge off because now I got to communicate. I got to check to, okay, we were, we were strong left, cover three. All right, they picked up the tight end. He shifted over here. They motioned this receiver back across the formation. It still ended up being slot. But if you come out and just slot, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about none of that. I'm lined up. I'm about to knock your head off. Mm-hmm. But after I had to shift the front, then shift the coverage with the motion, and now you stop the ball, man, the edge isn't there anymore. So yeah. now I'm more talented than you. Now you've leveled the playing field. And if you were already more talented than me, well, now you got an even bigger advantage. Right. So that's why for me. I'm always a believer that when you want to run the ball, you do all of that window dressing. When it comes to some of the passing stuff, you can you can do some of it, but I don't think that's as necessary. But you have to have that that element in the run game, especially if you don't have the personnel to just line up and blow guys off the ball. But then I will say this: Bengals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see, even with them, you see them play a ton of shotgun, right? A ton of gun. Yeah. They don't. They don't have a under center vibe because they can't protect and they have no semblance of a running game. So you have to be one dimensional like that and hope that your quarterback can throw fifty times and not get killed. But if you look at them, <laughs> it's, not hit, it's not working. So, so for me, that's why I think it's it's big with the window dressing, both offensively and defensively. I know for us, um, personal experience, we were playing Peyton Manning the year they won the Super Bowl. And at that stage, obviously Peyton Manning wasn't the most, you know, gifted anymore. He was on the down the downhill, but mentally he had seen so much. So mm-hmm. instead of us trying to do all this fake window dressing and him undressing us and killing us with the throws and stuff like that because he's seen every disguise, we went the opposite route. We made everything look like a zero blitz.
1: hmm you know, mm. if
4: it looks like a zero blitz. You don't know what we're going to morph into. Now, it made it a lot tougher on us, but that was the way we did it. And we had a ton of success. Whereas some guys, man, you can't do that. Some guys, you got to say, all right, if this a younger quarterback, and he doesn't yeah, say, declare, oh, man, we sending everything. We coming right. We going left. We rocking this way. We going to roll back that way. The corner coming in. And ultimately, you're going to overwhelm them mentally. So yeah. it's different things that you have to do to attack each player. But I feel like, responsible coaches and it <laughs> they understand that but even at the nfl level not every coach is like that and it, 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 and that's the sad part that was the part to me that was the most surprising i always thought at the nfl level you weren't gonna find you know any coach that, that wasn't the best of the best and had the most football sense and this times man, i was sitting in meetings and i'm like i should be the coach in here like this is this is bad or, or you'd have players, after the coach talk, come to you and ask you to explain it to them. And you're like, this is a problem. Like, this coach needs to, like, step it up. But some guys, they just don't understand it. So you see so, you, you see our reaction here because you're preaching
0: to the choir. Yeah. We've been saying numerous yeah. times, and we can see it. Regular people yeah. regular yeah, yeah, at man. home can see it. Why can't you see it? Because mm-hmm. I asked you specifically if it's if, 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 if a Cowboy question, if you didn't yeah. understand the importance is a film study because I used to call out all our plays. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a regular fan. Yeah, like yeah. If I have, I'm like okay, I'm only watching you weekly. I'm not watching film during the week. Yeah. If I'm calling your plays. What about somebody that's, actually that's watching paid a film? That's
1: watching get, a film. Yeah,
0: that's getting paid to do. And, yeah. and, you, and you and you and you said it previously hey, Brett Fall going to drop back.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and, and I yeah. got
0: to do my job. So mm, you
4: made me feel real. I, I told people all the time, like, when it came to football, you had two types of people. You had the people, imagine if we're in school. You got the ones who are going to study ahead of time, right? They're mm-hmm. going to study. It. They got a test coming up next week. they study studying Sunday, mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So by the time the tests come, they don't have to cram. they showing up. They know everything inside and out. They're ready to go. Then you got the guys who... They just gonna show up and hope for the best some of them can get away with it because they're gifted but the other ones you see them struggle at the nfl level man you get that some of these coaches and some of these players they are not as invested they they're some of the guys are gifted enough that they get by but there are a good amount of guys that don't and that's why when you look at the uh, the the average career span is two and a half years and that's including first round draft picks and undrafted free agents because not everybody has that work ethic some guys just show up and they're good enough and you might get by, you know, for a couple of games. You might even get by for a year. But eventually, I could take a guy with less talent that has great study habits, and he's going to know enough mm-hmm. to put himself in a position to be successful every time he plays against you if all you are is the great talent. Yeah. And that's what people – and a lot of these younger guys, these younger athletes, some of them realize it, but a lot of them don't. And that's why they struggle so much. For me, a guy that I always love to talk about is T.J. Watt because when T.J. came in, T.J. was one of the most – mentally sharp guys I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. Even as a rookie, I'm like, bro, you don't find those type of study habits in a rookie typically. Usually, a first-round pick, you gotta... I mean, with Bud, I remember, man, with Bud, having to teach him, like, how to watch film. With TJ, it was like, bro, he he was already a cheat code. He knew everything. He already knew the checks from day one. You're like, bro, this is crazy. So, oh, didn't Bud go to Kentucky? Yeah, why he don't know how to? Why he
2: don't know how to watch film? Because when you get when you get recruited to Kentucky, it ain't like you was supposed to be that guy.
1: Nah, nah, that see, but that's not true. Kentucky, they be winning in the SEC. A lot of people don't know about them because of all those big teams, but they are they are tough out, and Florida struggles with them. Every yeah. year, but let, no, we struggle
2: with them because Florida can't <laughs> throw the ball. Florida ain't had no <laughs> offense in the last ten years.
1: Let Let me ask you this: This is this is a two part question. One, because you brought up that zero blitz. Now, was that a Dick LeBeau idea to to try to convue, confuse confuse Tom like that, or was that somebody else's scheme? And then just tell me about how how was it like to play under Mike Tomlin, and where you kind of rate him amongst current coaches?
4: Oh yeah, no doubt. So actually, um. That was a dope question, too, even with that. Um, so this was 2015, the year uh, where we ended up playing um, Denver in the playoffs. And actually, that was LeBeau's first year gone from Pittsburgh. Okay. So I had LeBeau mm-hmm. my first year. And that second year, it was um, Keith Butler who had been under LeBeau yep. for, I think, 10 years as a coach. So it was a mm-hmm. lot of similarities, a lot mm-hmm. of carry Mike Tomlin, that was actually his design. Everybody knows okay. Mike Tomlin as the defensive guru. Like, okay. his mind bro. when I tell you, Dick LeBeau – is probably you know one of the all-time best coaches I've ever had in my life or ever even seen. But even with Mike Tomlin, it's just different, man, in terms of his understanding of the game. Like it was just crazy being around both of those guys. And just to hear when Coach Tomlin came up with that idea against Peyton Manning and how to confuse him because he's saying, like, man, this is what he sees on the time. So I don't care if. If you show this safety walking down, he knows just by scheme alone he has to get back over there or by guys being in, in general facilities and stuff like that. So that was where that plan came from. And, and for me, I remember looking at, at the time when we had when Ryan Shares here, we looked at him. And uh, I think of who else? It was one other guy. Oh, Lawrence Timmons. That was the other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all looking at this like, bro, I don't know. This is going to work. This kind of crazy. Like We're going to play the run out of zero. We're going we gonna to play everything out of this. Like, Man, what, what if this doesn't work? If they, they, we get gassed it's over. But then you start seeing the plan unfold, and you start seeing it work, and you're like, "Oh, this is nuts!" Mm-hmm. And, and it legit worked. I mean, it should have worked. We were literally a, a you know a, a, a missed time fumble away from you know the game being over. So that was the crazy part. But in terms of just how we rank, how I rank Coach Tomlin, man, I, I feel like he's definitely an all time great. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at him as a top five all time coach, man. Between the success that he's had. Hardware-wise, the success that he's had year in and year out. Was it 14 seasons now where he hasn't had a losing season? I mean, yeah. it's unheard of. Yeah. And the fact that he's been doing it as an African-American where you know he didn't have yeah. the opportunities, a lot of times. He didn't have. I mean, they wanted to fire him last year for going. A&M. H- 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 Hill
1: specifically H- wanted to fire him, oh, and, whoa, I whoa, whoa, him whoa. and I told him. And I told him it was not going to happen because mm-hmm. in my lifetime, I don't. I don't think I was born in, under Chuck Noll, but mm-hmm. and so in my lifetime, I think only Cowher and Mike yeah. Thomas. So I told him, I said, "Bro, I don't see him getting fired, bro." The Rooney's no. love their Qu- coaches. Quote me right. Quote me right. <laughs>
0: I said if he has a, if he has a tough season like they did I said he would not be afforded the opportunity in the time like these other
4: coaches were oh, no I, I
1: would not but he, was, but he was he but, was but is,
3: you
4: know he he wasn't in the terms of this he went 8 and 8 and that was his saving grace
1: Yeah true He
4: would have they didn't even want to renew his contract in terms of Typically, these coaches getting multi-year deals. They've had them on a one-year, one-year deal the past right. years. So when you talk about a coach as winning as he is, mm-hmm. in terms of the tradition, in terms of the longevity, in terms of always being in the mix, even if they're not winning the Super Bowl, they're still in the conversation. Absolutely. That, that is unheard of. You want to hear that with Pete Carroll. You want to hear that with Belichick. You want to hear that with Andy Reid. We've already seen that firsthand with Sean Payton. I mean, no. gonna, of these going
2: seven and
4: nine. John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, you you go down the list. Jim Harbaugh, they going stinking it up at Michigan. They want to bring him back, like. you <laughs> <laughs>
2: love, 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 love at Illinois, but we ain't gonna like, get like that. Crazy, crazy, Hey, hey, hey Moats, I got an actual question, bro. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know this happened before you got there. Yeah, but why Tomlin trying to trip Jacoby Jones? <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey. So funny thing, right? My <laughs> first year in Pittsburgh, Jacoby. That was the year that had just happened, and we ended up signing Jacoby. Also, yeah, I, remember. <laughs> I, remember. I remember. I remember. Man, we were sitting here it's so a Wednesday morning. Jacoby had just got here. We had just signed him, and we start the meeting off. Film guys, they want to be funny, so they put on the clip. So Coach T hits the joint, don't even realize it. And it started playing him on the field. He jump <laughs> off the way. And we like yo, best. and Coach T. He just sitting here like, "Look, man, I'm just trying to do what I got to do to win." He said that was the most expensive. He said that was the most expensive thing I've done to get a victory in my life. <laughs> <laughs> now I respect that even more. Than that. Yep. Yeah, yep. so he was like, man, I, he's like, that's the most expensive thing I've ever done. But, man, I'm trying to do whatever it takes. And we were just all just dying laughing. Jacob, it's his first day. So it was a great icebreaker as well. But, man, I will never forget that moment, man. Seeing him like, bro, like, you really was on the field. Like, that's crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, nah. I got it. So, uh, uh, another if thing. If you don't wanna... know,
4: if you don't know, Mo,
0: AJ is a Bengals fan he's been itching okay, okay. He's, been, he's, he's been itching I've been, I've been texting him on the side like hold on don't go yet don't go, he yet. Let's go. Don't go yeah. yet so he's ready to pounce he's ready to pounce so I, I, I actually
1: I actually want to know how most feel about that so go ahead AJ yeah yeah no so like
2: like I'm, I'm going to start off with just a couple questions I'm I, I'm I'm gonna start off tame. I don't know if you ever, you know, seen certain speeches. You know, they say you know you start off, you start off, and then you go, you gonna escalate. So I'm gonna start. Right. start off, I'm gonna start off real slow. So being a Bengals fan, I don't consider the Bengals Steelers as a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Y'all kick our ass every time. No, yeah, but I truly hate Steelers fans <laughs> and the Steelers fan base because for one. It's a dirty organization. I know, I, I like, it, it, you, you and, and that's why I asked you the question, because, yeah, Steelers is a dirty-ass organization. If it comes from Kimo Von O'Hoffen, Mike Tom, <laughs> and Jacoby Jones, I, I don't even need to go on. I don't need to go on anymore, but. I'm trying it, to warn you. But when, like, like right now, the Bengals page they calling it Steelers week, and they posted T.J. Houshmandzadeh. The last time we beat the Steelers, he was dusting his shoes off with the with a terrible towel. Do the Steelers do the Steelers say, "Oh, it's Bengals week"? Because I remember Mike Tomlin making a, a statement saying, "This is a rivalry, and we're gonna approach it as such, and we're gonna be prepared." And then Marvin Lewis, punk ass, came out and said, "Oh no, this is a normal week. We're just gonna approach it like a <laughs> normal week." And y'all came out and kicked our ass. So, what, What when y'all play the Bengals, what do y'all say about the Bengals? Is it Bengals week or is it like, hey, yo, they finna fold. We gonna crush them. Let's embarrass them.
4: All right. So, to give you context, mm-hmm. um, we always from 2014, I mean, obviously the history between us and the Ravens, that was always rivalry number that's one. A rivalry. Yeah, that's, a, that's a rivalry. Like we looked at that, like Cowboys Washington. We looked mm-hmm. at that, like Packers and Bears. Like, mm-hmm. so you always knew that it because of the history around it. Not only currently, but just throughout the league. Like, it's one of those like pillar rivalries. You think Ohio State Michigan? Like, it's, it it has that type of significance. So we always knew that when it came to Cleveland or Cincinnati or even New England and Dallas, it was gonna be a drop off in terms of how we viewed it. But the thing, the reason why we started saying that we did feel it was a robbery, was because of Burfict. You remember 2014? Mm -hmm. That's when all the bad blood started back up. We Mm -hmm. were a part of that new wave of, all right, y'all heard Le'Veon, y'all celebrate on Le'Veon's body, so we knock out Giannis. We're gonna celebrate on his body, and then it was okay. Well, y'all knocked out AD. Okay, we're gonna knock out this guy, and that's what. And then you obviously see the pre-game, the fights, and everything like. All of that happening in 2014 and 15 is what made it for us to be like, yo, this is a robbery because every time yeah. we come out here, we want to absolutely destroy this team. Like we, even when we would get into the city, we're walking around, we're like, man, look, we're gonna let everybody out here know we in town. Like y'all come to the game for us, so we would make sure we would go y'all
2: down. Ain't go to the right places.
4: Y'all ain't go to the right places. <laughs> 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 we would go downtown Cincinnati and let them know, like, yo, we're here. This is us. Like y'all gonna be tuned in. And I remember. Shoot, my favorite game, 2015, that wild card playoff. Yeah, wild card playoff,
2: like, playoff. Like,
4: man. I remember seeing Dave on perfect run out the end zone and hit the locker room. We were like, okay, they think it's done. And I remember seeing Jeremy Hill back there trying to rip the time. We clown <laughs> him, <to> rip it, bitch ass. <laughs> he couldn't
1: <he> could <laughs> rip it.
4: <laughs> the whole time, though, the whole time, we're seeing ourselves, man. Look, we done been in these situations before. We done been in dog fights before. We have had our back against the wall and had to, you know, just chew our own arm off to get out the situation. They haven't had to experience that. They're gonna blink. They're gonna, they're gonna fold. Mm-hmm. And every single time, as no matter what was going on with the game, if, if they were up two scores, one score, it did not matter. We always felt we were gonna find a way to, to to end it. And literally every time, man, I can't make this up. Going out there before that Jeremy Hill fumble in the playoffs, sitting there, me, Ryan, and Vince having the conversation saying, Yo, we're gonna make this play. Shay Zier saying, bro, I'm about to make him fumble. I got us. And literally going out there and that thing happening, you like, oh, this is crazy that right is now.
2: Crazy.
4: Jeremy, <laughs> oh, like, like certain things, you know, you'll say it and you like, you believe it, but you don't believe it, right? Yeah. That I right you like, bro, it was kind of freaky a little bit, but it would happen literally every time we played Cincinnati. No matter what type of success they had, no matter who was at quarterback, who was at running back, who was at receiver, it was going to be like that. And so for us, we viewed it as it's a rivalry, but they're a little brother. So we're gonna treat him like how those yeah. brother chose to be treated. Little brother might win the division one year, he's gonna puff his chest up, but we're gonna smack him down and let him know where it's good. And really, that's how we operated with it, really, man.
2: Okay, but, but now you're talking about smack him down, let him know what's good. <laughs> um, Vince Williams had like that that like, that year, Vince Williams had some interesting comments to say about Von Tez.
4: Hey, on site, you know what it is. <laughs> but do you really believe that? Do you really think Vince Williams wanted to smoke with Tez? Put it like this. So we all at the time were working on AZ. Like a lot of us were out there because obviously James Harrison was out there. But James not only put the Steeler boys on it. He put the Cincinnati boys on it as well. So we all knew that everybody would be out there. So it was already a thing where, you know, we could make this thing happen. It could be a go. And the person that that was the peacemaker out of all this that really talked everybody off because we said at first we wanted to have something happen during the season. We were like, man, we could just – it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati-Pittsburgh is like two-hour drive, three hours max. Like – it's nothing. And you talk about the type of money these guys have. If you really want to see you, like, it's not hard. You can make it happen. But the person, the peacemaker in this was Joey Porter. Wow. He was- Whoa. Whoa. Nah. Whoa. <laughs> no, sure.
3: yeah.
4: gonna- I would have never get no way. I was, not, I was not expecting that. So Joey, Joey, he, he had this talk with us. He said he told us two scenarios. He said, look, man, I'm going to tell you about his situation with Levi Brown. Yep. He was like, man, it was fun. In theory, he was like, you know, people talked about it. They got hyped up. But he was like, man, it's a crazy feeling when, you know, I ran out on him in Vegas. He's like, bro, he's with his lady. And I just happened to be deep that night. So we ran up on him with his chick and he was supposed to turn it down. He didn't. And we ended up stomping him out. Then he said, man, imagine if this flipped. Now I'm with my lady. I got to be on guard. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, it's time where he said I'm in a nightclub with, with just two of my guys. And he come in and I'm trying to figure out like, how the heck we finna get out of here. Yeah. So he was like, it, it, you just, and you never knew how far a person would go. And then he talked about how he used to be with Brandon Marshall, right? How they had their beef going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah I remember the situation that. Situation ended and, and a guy got shot. He's like, bro, he said, man, you got to realize, like, it's all fun and games when you keep it on social. It's all fun and games when you're doing it in the context of a game. But when you cross that line and you make it that real-life beat, just know mm-hmm. it's not just affecting you. Whoever yeah. you I don't got to be ready at all points because it's going to be on site from here on. Mm-hmm. He said, man, Thank I can see you out the day, and I don't know what the energy is, so I got to assume we're rumbling again. Yeah. And he was like, man, just know like, if you cross that line, that's what you got to deal with. And literally that's what kind of like talked everyone off the ledge. And he was really just like passionate about it. And you're like, dang, like if PZ saying this, then man, you know what we gotta you know so we gotta fall back here. I always like
1: Joey Paul. Man, man. Man,
4: we, we were ready because because mm-hmm. <laughs> for us we were ready to go, man, because like just every time some like they would hurt one of our guys, we felt like it cost us the season, like. 2014, they heard. Think about 2014. Y'all heard Le'Veon in the 2005. last game. The let's 2005. I'm speaking from my time frame. All right? Okay. okay. I'm, talking time frame. Yeah. I'm talking about the history of the thing. I'm talking about the history of it. Yeah. From my time frame, y'all hurt Le'Veon 2014, last game of the year, throwing a pep rally on a body, right? And then we end up not having a running back. We have to sign Ben Tate off the street to start oh. on a Saturday, and we get smashed. Then, the following year, all right, y'all hurt Elle Bell again mm. at our spot. Uh, Vontez Perfect flexing, doing all that. Nope. Don't act like that. Come on now. but no, well, what I'm talking
2: about the – well, like I'm saying, I'm talking uh-huh. about the history. I'm talking about where it started because when, when Vontez got here, he knew what happened. He knew about – he, he knew about when Hines Ward cracked back so, on Keith Rivers. So this is my thing, though. 24 block, that was,
4: block. was, that was, that was all, that. That. But, they, but they outlawed it. Oh, yeah, so but this is my thing, right? So, this is my thing, and we so, look brother, that's not an accomplishment. Oh, yeah, but this is my thing. So, from 2014, because that's when all of us got into it, we always said that was when the new blood started and made that we we brought that thing back. Because prior to that, I mean, okay. we I think two years ago Terrence Garvin might have hit, uh, hit the punter. And man. broke his jaw or something like that, but it still it didn't have that same vibe about it. But we felt like in 2014, that's when it really started to get back to being that nasty. Just man, like it, it's personal here, and that's yeah. why for us, we would always say, "Well, man, we didn't have any issues with Cincinnati. In fact, I used to love Cincinnati because of Ocho and T.O.
1: Yeah, I remember man being
4: in buffalo running on the field, seeing T.O. like, "Dang, bro! Like I used to wear the tights only because of you.
3: The tights only." <laughs> so we, yeah. for
4: us, we would just talk about how every year it always seemed like y'all were responsible for derailing our season. You know what I mean? Like well, you knock out totally. AD in the in the divisional round or in, in the wildcard round, so then we don't have him for the rest of the joint. So it would always just like, man, it was something related with y'all. And y'all always just talking smack. I mean, y'all talk about offense. Y'all fans talk crazy. Talk <laughs> so,
2: I literally like literally been on like the Cincinnati Bengals you know Twitter page and stuff like that back in like 2011 saying you know like Steelers week saying let's go and Steelers fans jumping on the page Talking about Chris Henry saying you like talk like literally talking shit about Chris Henry. That's crazy. Literally that's talking, right. exactly. And but literally you know, talking shit. You know, know how Twitter talking, is. But that's it's what I'm true. saying. So no, I'm like, no, I, I, no, nobody's I, safe on Twitter. But that's what. But, but that's why But that's to me. It's like, but damn, like I would like literally like to to see Steelers fans talk about yeah. how Carson got hurt and always put that mm-hmm. picture up, or when Chris Henry passed away and how how they always do that. But like I've seen like like personally like in this like in the stadium when ryan Shazer went down it went qu- it went quiet it was concern. No, yeah it, 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 it was true concern yeah. and to me it was like
4: damn why? like we got compassion but like y'all throw these
2: injuries in over but that's now. also wait
1: why minute, y'all that's why y'all wait, lose. wait a
4: minute the, that that whole compassion it was not compassion until y'all realized he wasn't getting up that's what well, no, 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 yeah. no for me I, for a fact, when he first went down, I wow. was no out there talking crazy. Uh, they, I, for a fact remember them saying, Hey man, yeah, we got you back. Because remember, two I think it was two years before that was right. when he hit uh Giovanni Bernard. So it was yeah, sure. then, like, oh, then it changed. But for us, we was already in that mentality, like, oh now we try to kill everybody in here, like it don't matter no more. You know what I mean? Nah, that's a fact, that's
2: a fact. And so, once again, that's one of the reasons why I don't consider this a rivalry. I just literally consider this, it's like two motherfuckers who just really wanna fight. But they be in the same room, but everybody be like, yo, chill. But yeah. it's just like if y'all leave us alone, we yeah. go we gonna get the reckon. and that's what yeah. I've always that's what I've always felt that this was. It wasn't no rivalry. It's just two people that we gotta throw hands and get it over with.
4: Just, 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 just go ahead,
2: and get it
0: done, man. Get it out the way. So now, Mo, you 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 switched your pick about uh, well, four times last week on your show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, your score prediction.
3: Yeah.
0: And I wanted to. I mean, I know you had to keep your under for you know. Yeah, you yeah, had he had he had to keep over team. under. You hey, had to keep right. under. You know, and 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 um, deep, and he's keeping on your toes too. He's yeah, on your toes. So yeah, I want to know, man. are you really sticking? See, here's a safe place. Here's a safe place. Don't, <laughs> you know, we don't have as many listeners as you have. You know, are you
4: really sticking to your score prediction this week? Trust me, I hate that score prediction. I even said it on the <laughs> podcast, I don't think <laughs> that's the score. I think it's a lot closer than that, man. Like, what people don't realize is Cincinnati is way better than their record says. Yeah. Their record, I mean, it looks on paper bad, but if you watch them on tape,
1: they're close they games.
4: Know, bro, bro, yeah. bro, if if I'm deal. Cincinnati, man, my next year, all I'm drafting is offensive linemen to protect that man. He has the receivers. When Joe makes back, the bro, they cannot protect him. That's the biggest issue, yeah, defensively. I understand you trade away Dunlap because he doesn't really fit their scheme anymore. He was more of a 4-3 guy. They're running that 3-4 out there. It's different for him. That's not his yeah. game. But when you shift your defense, you know you're a year or two away. I love some of the young picks they have though with uh, with Davis and with, uh, I think it's Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson uh, yeah. Wyoming. I love those guys. I think they're going to be very productive. But it takes a little bit of time for the younger linebackers to catch up, which is understandable. you got Josh Bonds. Dude, Josh, my guy, too, man. We was out in AZ together. Obviously, he was in that Baltimore rivalry as well. But, you you know, he's your stopgap. He's the guy that's going to help usher in that younger guy. In terms of having a a cerebral linebacker, he is that. Cincinnati, man, If the the reason why I don't think they'll be able to beat the Steelers is just because of the protection. With the the Steelers, they struggle with teams that can protect. The Cowboys, even though their O-line was banged up last week, they did a great job of protecting. And that's why in Pittsburgh we were bashing – the D line because it's like man, it's no reason why Garrett Gilbert should have had that much time. Mm-hmm. When you have that much time with those receivers, you can you can carve up a defense. Yes, we it saw it; We yep. were doing that. Yeah. Joe Burrow, if Joe Burrow can be protected, he would he would light the league up. But the problem is, man, he's been sacked twenty eight times. I think he's been hit. I think sixty something times. He's he's third the league in terms of just overall being hit. It's crazy right now, man. So when when you talk about Joe, that's my only thing in terms of why they're being held back. They just can't protect him, man. Versus versus the Steelers, they specialize in being able to get pressure when they they're operating at their best when they can get after the quarterback. And right. the Bengals haven't shown. I mean, even the Titans had success getting after Joe Burrow, and the Titans their pastures this year has been terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm.
2: I won't say they had success because I mean,
4: what do you think about this though? I'm saying in terms of they still were able to get hits on him and, and, and pressure him. Yeah. Now, Joe, Joe is Houdini back there. I mean, you look at Joe. Joe making two, saying, three a... guys. But the fact that he has to make two and three guys miss, mm-hmm. that's letting like you know that, man, that's a ton of people getting back there. Whereas, typically, you might just have to sidestep a guy, right? Yeah. He's literally, like, ducking under this guy.
1: And Joe popping on him, up, throwing. Little, it's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, some he, of the he, stuff he, I've seen like is amazing.
4: back there. You know what I mean? Like, But – to me, with the Steelers, they typically don't allow guys to have two and three opportunities. Once they get back there, they're bringing you down traditionally, yeah. and yeah. that to me is, I think, the biggest difference in this matchup. Because I love y'all receivers. Yeah, man, you
1: talk about Tyler AJ Green, niggas, and Tyler Boyd. That's a dude. They didn't get it. Plus Mixon, you they add Mixon in there. Get it. it, man. Yeah, they look good.
4: Yeah.
1: Let,
2: me t- Let me tell you this, Mo. I don't, I don't think we can. I don't think we can win. But I think with. Tyler Boyd working so close over the mm-hmm. middle. I think we gonna we gonna make it really really hard because I think absolutely. I, I, as you watch the se- the season progress, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow actually got hit a lot in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the season progressed, he's getting hit less and less. And then yeah. when Joe Mixon and then when Joe Mixon get, went out, and then you yeah. had Gio Bernard in the backfield. G- I don't care what nobody say. Gio Bernard is probably one of the better uh, pass blocking backs in the yeah. league. And it's mm-hmm. like our offense ch- has changed, and so I think that quick passing game, especially with Joe mm-hmm. Burrow being so elite, been elite, getting them out, yeah, in the in the intermediate passing game, we don't mm-hmm. necessarily work the field deep, but in that in that five to nineteen yard range, yep. Joe Joe Burrow is literally elite, and the numbers yeah. bear that out. Yeah, so I think if we can work that quick passing game, if y'all don't mm-hmm. necessarily like some find a way to take Tyler Boyd out and then keep yeah. AJ Green out that intermediate passing game. Mm-hmm. We gonna make it tough and we gonna make y'all work for it. I think the, I think where the Steelers are gonna have success is of course on offense because yeah uh um, Sean Sims and Darius Phillips are gonna be out. So basically you're going against mm-hmm. Will Will Jack and Mackenzie Alexander, our slot yeah. corner. So whoever's on whoever y'all put on that other side, if you got him in fantasy,
1: he's gonna eat. They've been Whatever. cooking like, they've been cooking anyway, bro. Exactly. Regardless. So so look, Motes. I I, I I I wanna I ask this to everybody, especially people who've played the game. Defensive players. All all right. Three, four, or four, three. Let's just get to it, man.
4: Oh <gasps> man. Oh. All right, am I talking about playing or if you, am you I were coaching? a coach,
1: if you were a coach today and you were gonna pick your scheme and you hadn't picked your personnel yet, but you you had your choice of personnel, what would you run? i hate this question because i love
4: both i but for different reasons i love the four three because of the simplicity with it but i need dogs in it Mm
1: -hmm. i love
4: the three four because i can disguise so much pre-snap and confuse you that even if my guys aren't as talented i can trick you into doing something so Mm. man for me, I'll probably go 3-4, not only because of the disguise element, but also from a special team standpoint. I'm going to have more linebackers on my roster than mm-hmm. a 4-3 team. 4-3 team is going to be heavy d tackles and yep. D-ends. Yep. Those guys aren't covering kicks and punts like I need, so I feel like that's going to be a disadvantage for that. True. But with my linebackers in that 3-4, I have a lot more flexibility and versatility and me being able to have better athletes because typically your linebackers are your better athletes compared to your linemen. I'm gonna have that flexibility to have these guys interior rushing, coming off the edge, some of the different drops and things like that. So so I would probably go three four for me. Now to piggyback off
0: that is with the fact that most teams are running more three wide receivers sets. is it really a significant, is it really a significant to to run a three four or
4: four three? Is it really Jack? Honestly, I mean to to be real, in today's NFL, you you're in sub ball, you know, sixty, seventy percent of the time. So you try to find guys that are versatile enough like that's why Isaiah Simmons I mean he's a guy that you you would love to have because he can play all three downs he can stop the run but even if they spread you out with three wide receivers he can still be on the field and cover. That, that could be an issue. Yeah so in terms of if you know three four four three is as important today I don't think at the NFL level it is I'm sure when you talk collegiately in high school mm-hmm. you and you don't have as many athletes on the field then that becomes a lot more prevalent because you can't just out athlete guys. But at the NFL level, I mean, you have your pickings in terms of, you know, just talent on top of talent because it's all the best players from wherever they're from playing out there mm-hmm. together. Well, but right. I
0: want to quote you on your last episode because it what you said
4: it resonated
0: with me so well because I get into debate so often about you know certain subjects. But this I'm going to quote you. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm never worried about yards per carry, because we pointed out before, a guy that is not even impactful could have a good yards per carry. But if you're talking about the game, you're not even thinking about that guy. Uh-huh. Now you said that in reference of a uh, deep
4: said that Joe Joe Mixon really hasn't had right. Yet. Yeah, like, he only averaging like two or three yards per carry I'm like right. bro from personal experience playing against Joe Mason we thought Joe even when we had l Bell we thought Joe was gonna be way better than l Bell like Joe between the size the speed athletic ability we would have loved him in Pittsburgh because we felt like he fit what we wanted to do in terms of just being a physical but athletic group. We, we thought that, you know, Jeremy Hill was the, the, the knockoff version of that. But oh, then you man. saw and you're like, oh, this is legit. He but when, when you talk about yards per carry, I'm like, man, you can pull up average backs and they'll be averaging 4.5, and yeah. I'm like,
2: yeah.
4: that ain't that type of running back. Man,
3: yeah. I'm,
4: not, I'm not losing sleep over this guy. And then you got this Mm -hmm. other guy too. Well, his yards per carry is so low, man. He got to be having a down year, and it's like, all right, you watch him, and they put eight men in the box Mm -hmm. because they get the depth of this guy, Mm -hmm. and he's impacting the game in three, four levels right now. Like, give me that guy. But for some people, if they don't understand how to watch it, they don't understand the impact. Then they have to just rely on the numbers, and that's why for me, I was always a big, you know. I have my issues with the analytics people because in Buffalo, that was one of the things they always do. Yeah. They would, would come to me, man. You got to be six four two sixty to play that spot, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> you're 6'4", two sixty, and I show you my productivity, mm. and you tell me which one is the better player here. So mm. for me, like, I, I always had issues with analytics and numbers guys or stat guys because it's the difference between a spreadsheet and actually playing the game. And when you don't realize that you're always going to be flawed in terms of how you argue and how you think this right. is going to work. Right.
0: And I asked that question because I got a lot of people, you know, well, Zeke is washed well. up and Zeke is, I'm like, come on now. We're not going to do this. we not. True. And that's when, when you said that, I'm like, Oh my you're God. Um, I, everything, yeah. everything about that. Just I just loved everything about that. Yeah. Well, I want to actually personally, thank you for joining us and, Oh man, it's been a pleasure. I hope yeah, you guys do along,
4: man. Any time on and talk with my seven five seven guys and then my, yeah. my wrestling boy, man. Like, <laughs> Y'all, already like, yeah. Y'all already you you know. Y'all already. You know next church. time Ask in the comments too, man. This is awesome. Next time, next time we do this again, I
0: got I want you to bring deep because in the off season, in in the off season, those top five lists, I got to talk to my guy, man.
4: Thank I got to talk to my guy, man, bro. Sometimes he'll say some stuff, and I'm just like, how? Like, what What, what are you thinking right now, man? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my – but he, he he is entertaining. That He is funny. Yeah. And, we, and we, yeah. we got a comment. Yeah, you yeah play that's play what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. So um, just go to YouTube. Um, type in Arthur Motes on YouTube. It pops right up. It's called The Arthur Motes Experience with Deke for the podcast. It's available on any of your podcast platforms, whether it's iTunes, uh, Spotify, you name it, is there. So, yeah, just the Arthur Motes Experience with deke and a lot of our supporters support your
0: podcast
4: mm-hmm. he said like, oh like oh i'm watching oh, yep. so appreciate that and shoot man i'm loving what y'all doing over here too man like this is dope especially to see like i said man three dudes from the crib doing something positive man having that impact because it's Oh, excuse me, two dude. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you PC or you just know what, what do you go for? I don't really know what you got. Virginia he He's, him, he's
2: from when the he Nattie, Nattie. It, yeah, I'm from I'm from Cincinnati, born and bred. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't care what nobody got to say. Like I said, when you said y'all would come to Cincinnati, you wasn't in the right spot. <laughs> but like I said, hey, but look, nah, like 100% respect, man. I, I want to thank, I I thank you personally for coming on, man. We Absolutely. appreciate it. And, and like he saying, man, we got to do this again. It was, it was, it was so much fun. Um, and, you know, we can't wait to talk to you again, bro. No
4: doubt. And I will say this about Cincinnati, man. I did have one of my funnest times ever there, man. I, I stumbled across what they call Santa Con, where literally, man, everybody is dressed yeah. in Santa costumes and it's like yeah. a bar crawl. But it crazy in my life, man. I was mad, <laughs> I was mad, but with COVID this year, because I'm like, bro, I was really trying to pull up for yeah. Santa Con. That's yeah. been like my thing. Like since I saw it, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna come back to Cincinnati. I'm no. that. <laughs> Damn,
2: I I, I, literally, I was literally talking to D Hill because we played the like we played, uh Dallas in Cincinnati, yep. and I'm like, bro, come to Cincinnati with me. Like, I'm gonna show you a good oh. time. Like, when 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 COVID when COVID ends, that's Damn, what we are gonna man. do. We all we are all gonna go back to Cincinnati. We are gonna have some fun. You got, you got the big cool.
4: ice ring right. It's like right downtown. The big ice cream drink with the tree on. Yeah, out there. right. Found square. Found yeah. Square. Yeah, it's, it's a dope little vibe, man. Like I ain't even gonna lie, it's it's a dope. We would hate on it because obviously, like people
3: hate, but I'm like man, it's, it's
0: an idol here, man. I ain't Hey, <laughs> like man, like say, so I mean, we definitely appreciate it. You know, you can catch us on all major podcast mm-hmm. platforms: Three Man Weeb, Instagram, Twitter, Three Man Weeb underscore the most show the most experience. You can just re- search author most it's gonna pop up. Come on, mm-hmm. now. we're not playing around. We're not playing those games. The but it, it's definitely, even though, <laughs> even though it's the Steelers Foundation podcast, it's not just for the Steelers, man. It's for everybody. It's definitely because, yeah. like you said, you had some interesting takes on COVID, and we ran out of time. Mm-hmm. And and I wish we had more. We could have gone, but you had some interesting yeah. takes on COVID and how the NFL is handling. And Cannon yeah. was, ooh, Cannon would have loved that. But, but you know what?
1: We we can do it again. Because this was... I, 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 yeah, we run just run it back. We just run it back. Yep. That's a fact.
0: But I appreciate it. Episode 86. And we out, y'all. Thank all you. Thank all love. Thank
1: up. you. And we all fair, fellas.
3: And me. I'm rich as fuck, I'm popping, got it popping off a of beat. I'm fucking on that bitches that paying I here for free. I'm styling with no stylist, they clean, I got OCD. You niggas soft when you follow, you niggas sheep. Hit a buff, nigga with hollows and make them weak. Yeah, that red and blue shit cool, but I want that green. Ooh, that why just hit, I feel relief. Huh. My private is lit, lit. It's a field trip. Buy bags, my type of bags. They be mil ticks. I could fuck up a check, nigga. I got it still rich. I came straight from the bottom to the top. That's a hill flip. Dang. They ain't talking that clock talk. we hit the kill switch. I just wrote up a script. Somebody call up Will Smith. Pockets full of blue honey. you would've swore a nigga grip. Niggas ballin', but they ain't James Horns going like this. I'm fuckin' the game with a S C D. Contagious as fuck, I spread the game out to the team You lame as fuck, I probably seen you on the meme Poppin' as fuck, you probably see me on the screen Nigga, let me floss, Hugo Boss, voom. Vroom, whip, talk, Cuban, bust down Yellow diamonds, ooh, he pin stop White gold, yellow gold, same time, crisscross. I like ghetto bitches that wear too much lip gloss Drop it off, pick it up, make it shake Catching Phillips, one handy, damn, she Randy Moss. Know the cost, profit lost. Nigga, I'm a fucking boss. Name it Marcus, Saxon, fifth. We don't do no fucking raw. I made back gloss, six foot gloss, candy paint we dripping off. You bought all them watches, but ain't bought no house, you fucking false. Hard on cold, even frost, fuck a lead, she wake up lost. Got that sauce, I got ho ho hoes. Santa Claus, Lamborghini, new Ferrari, driving crazy. I'm not sorry, what a thought I was a collector high. Keep a barbie, love a party. You can never school me, baby, I'm too tardy, I'm a dog. Me, my mom. My shit permanent. It's sharp. they jealous. They envious of me. I'm rich as fuck. I'm popping, got it popping off a beat. I'm fucking on the bitches. They paying. I hit for free. I'm styling with no stylist. They clean. I got OCD. You niggas soft when you follow. You nigga sheep. Hit a buff nigga with hollows and make them weak. Yeah, that red and blue shit cool, but I want that green. Ooh, that wide just hit. I feel relief. Whew.